Please listen carefully. Psych Essentials is a show about learning psychiatry. It's fun and educational, but should not be taken as medical advice or opinion. So kick back and try not to worry about those glaring ego deficits. We like you anyway. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, James. Oh, should I say, hey, Picasso. Picasso? What are you... What do you mean, Picasso? Oh, it looked like there was an artist over there. Mm, I'm not doing any painting right now. I'm just doing my psychiatry thing. I must have been confused because there is an art to psychiatry, and it's the psychiatric interview. Yes, it is. Well, that was a great lead-in to today's episode because for the next three episodes, we're going to be talking about the psychiatric interview. My favorite part of psychiatry. This is a really cool part, I agree, and it's super important part of what we do on a daily basis. Right. The psychiatric interview is really of utmost importance in psychiatry because it's our main diagnostic tool. We don't have fancy tests, (laughs) blood tests, or imaging scans. Hopefully one day we will, but at this point in our field, what we do have is the psychiatric interview, which can be quite long and sometimes overwhelming in comparison to other types of HPIs that you might be more familiar with. If you just came off of medicine or surgery, you might be surprised by how long we'll sit and talk with people and all of the questions that we ask. But it's for, I think, a good reason. We're collecting a lot of data in the process. We're asking a lot of different questions about different categories in people's lives. And with the ultimate purpose of helping us out in, like you said, thinking of a diagnosis and what is happening with somebody. That said, it can take a little bit of adjustment and it can take some time to get used to. So if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed or or confused or, or just trying to keep track of all these parts, that's okay. And you will become accustomed to it over time. Yeah, new learners often find that this particular domain in psychiatry, the psychiatric interview, is quite challenging um, and it can be quite overwhelming. So we're going to try to break it down for you, give you some structure to help you guide your interviews, and then also provide um, a little bit of education about key differences between the psychiatric interview and your standard medical history. I wanted to point out that the type of interview you do and and really the purpose of the interview you do will depend a lot based on the nature of the person that you're seeing and the context that you find them in. I want to draw a parallel here with internal medicine. And if you had somebody who you were really concerned that they were having a heart attack, you would particularly want to focus on certain parts of the interview. You'd ask about their chest pain. You'd ask about some important history, whether they've had a myocardial infarction in the past, whether they've been having difficulty breathing. And some of these things might seem kind of esoteric at first, right? Then you start to ask about their cholesterol history and you ask about substances with smoking and alcohol and drugs and cocaine and a bunch of things, but that all kind of lump together to form an accurate assessment of somebody's chest pain. Similarly, with the psychiatric interview, you'll learn over time that certain parts of this interview go together. When you think about depression, certain parts will really stand out in your mind. And as we discuss this in more depth and as you see more types of patients, you'll see that as well. We'll try and emphasize that as we go through these next few episodes. 
And it's really important to recognize that the psychiatric interview, like we alluded to at the beginning of this episode, is where much of the art of psychiatry really lies. Um, and it's, it's, it can be much more than just data collection, even though data collection is super important because it guides our diagnosis. But the greatest thing about the psychiatric interview is that it in and of itself can be a therapeutic tool. It can help patients just by interacting with them. What, what does that mean, help people just by talking to them? Well, by talking to them, you can create a relationship. And the relationship between a psychiatrist really any mental health provider and the patient can be healing. Just you listening to their story can be really powerful for patients and can provide relief of, of a lot of kinds of distress. Absolutely. I'm thinking about a patient I saw who had a couple of really stressful things happen in his life. His relationship was on the rocks. He had made an appointment but had missed it because his car was having trouble. He just lost his wallet, which was pretty overwhelming because he had to get a whole bunch of new credit cards and driver's license and all these things arranged. And he had recently been using more alcohol than he had before. And a couple of things really swirled together in his life to create a really stressful situation. And he was pretty down and he was really questioning whether you know, questioning being alive. And that sounds pretty intense, but he really, that was really at the forefront of his mind. And we sat and we talked for a really long time and he was able to sort of sort out some of these different problems as discrete entities because they had sort of swirled together to become overwhelming. And I think that at times talking with people and helping them organize some of their own thoughts, that in and of itself can be pretty helpful. Absolutely. And it also sounds like the, the story that you're describing with your patient, that was a very vulnerable time for that patient. And maybe this is something that he hadn't told a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So to kind of share in his suffering, to like bear witness to that is very powerful. There's this idea of lending your presence or lending your ego or lending your functioning to help somebody else when they're, when they're in need. As we go through this, like you said, Lindsay, there's a lot of different parts. And so having some structure will make sure that you don't miss anything and that you do collect the data that will be really helpful in creating a differential diagnosis and will and will help you guide the treatment. Mm-hmm. So in the next couple of episodes, we are going to review all of the parts of the psychiatric interview. After this episode, we'll start with developing a framework for the HPI and the psychiatric review of symptoms. And then in the episode after that, we'll review the other components of the psychiatric history um, and compare how they're different from a medical history and help you to get a better sense of how to ask about these things. I'd like to spend a minute or two on while we're still on the topic of the psychiatric interview in general, just talking about some helpful tips, and I'd like to hear yours as well. Within the structure, and like you said, there's a pretty clear list that I hope you'll create and maybe even write down as you listen to the next couple of episodes. At the same time, I want to caution you to not get too rigid within this structure. And the reason I say that is because sometimes these can get pretty emotional. People will be discussing things that are really painful for them, or someone might cry, they might be upset, or they might be pretty angry. And I want you to stay in that moment with the person and and feel like you can get off script a little bit to to really feel what they're feeling and, and get into it and ask questions if 
um, if that feels appropriate to get more information and maybe even build some rapport. Uh, for example, let me be a little more specific. If uh, if somebody starts crying, I think it's perfectly okay. And in fact, I'd encourage you to grab a tissue, stop for a sec, sit with them, let them be in this moment of sadness, and then maybe even ask about it. Yeah, definitely. What I would not do is ignore it, though. Exactly. So if you've just asked about how they're sleeping and they start to cry, and then you ask, and how's your appetite? I worry that that, that creates a little bit of rupture, like what seems most important to you is moving on to the next question as opposed to being with them in that moment. I think there's a balance though. And I do think that continuing yes. to progress on is important. And, and that's maybe one of the artistic points. Absolutely. Another key point, another tip that I've gathered over the years is to be flexible with the interview. You might go in with this beautiful structure and have a great sense of how you're going to ask about all these different kinds of things, but then the patient's too agitated or disorganized to participate in the interview. So it's really important to adapt to the situation, adapt to the context you're in, and adapt to the particular needs of the patient in that moment. Um, if you do have a patient who's just too agitated or, dis or disorganized to participate in a really lengthy interview, you might just want to then focus in on the key issues, such as safety. Are they feeling safe right now? Um, or you could ask about substance use. I'm thinking more of like in the psych emergency department, those particular patients, since that kind of guides your management. If you could, for instance, only ask three questions or five questions, you might think about what are going to be the most important questions in this instance. One thing that I've learned to do is I have a, a template that I write on, literally a piece of paper with categories written out on. I like to jot notes when I write. Some people do, and some people just like to I'm listen. I'm a note writer myself. I, I we, also have a template. And I, I, literally, I will write, and it helps me, one, like you said, keep track of some of these categories and, and not lose my place if we do happen to jump to a different topic. But it also helps me, and maybe this is sort of my visual-spatial learning style, but it helps me mentally keep track of, of some of these important categories. Yeah, I, I found it really helpful when I was a medical student. I wrote down my little template on a note card I had in front of me all the time. And that way, if you did follow the patient off track for a moment to talk about something that's important with them, you can look back at your template, see what you've missed, and then make sure that you don't miss those questions. You go back to that, and that way you get all the information. Another important tip um, when you're interviewing patients is to reflect, reflect, reflect. And then when you're done reflecting, you can summarize. And this helps the patient to trust you. It makes them feel listened to. It makes them feel validated. It's how we build rapport. Um, and so I think that's an important thing to do throughout your interviews, not just ask them questions, but then to reflect back to the patient what they're telling you. So what I heard you just say is that it's <laughs> yes, really <James>. important <laughs> to reflect what you've just heard, and that will help people feel listened to. You're an excellent student. Thank you. If you're looking for tips and more tricks and, and advice, I really encourage you to ask a resident or an attending for feedback to after you've practiced this and after you've tried it out, maybe you'll start with the whole interview or maybe you'll start with a section just asking about the HPI and, or some review systems questions. Ask how did that go and what that thought like, what that felt like to them. I also would encourage you to personally reflect back and think, 
huh, what was difficult about that? What went really well? When did it seem like I was connecting with this person? And when did they draw away? Sometimes I found it helpful to kind of powwow with my resident or attending if I was going to be the one leading the interview to to think about how to structure my interview and to focus on the key questions that just helped keep me organized. One thing to think about. Like with anything that's difficult in medicine, it's important to practice. I was pretty dismal the first couple times I was in surgery. My sutures were a mess, but I got better. And I think that as uh, some of that was because people were telling me, you're doing this wrong and I, and you need to do it differently next time. People may not be that blunt, but I, I do think that with experience and with feedback, you will get better. Yeah. And this is something that you absolutely can do. Yeah, practice is the most important thing. It can be intimidating to interview these patients at times. They're some of the most challenging patients to communicate with that you'll experience. But even if it doesn't go as well as you would want it to, I think there's a lot to be learned um, from the situations where it doesn't go as planned or it isn't this shining example of an interview. There's ton to be, there's a lot to be learned either way. And the upside is it can be really rewarding. Mm -hmm. I think patients feel a lot better and you can feel pretty solid about yourself. It's, it's a really positive experience or it certainly can be. So the bottom line, the psychiatric interview, it's awesome. And it's an art. We will see you next time. Like you said, we are going to loop back and talk about the specific details of the interview. In the meanwhile, you can always check out our website, which is psychessentials.org. Leave us a review and let us know what you'd like to hear more about in the future. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Psych Essentials. You can also download the podcast and subscribe. We're on iTunes where you can rate, comment, and share. Our music is by Javier Suarez off his album, Tumbling Dishes. There's a link on our website. As always, people, places, and details have been changed to protect confidentiality. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Until next time. Bye.